0: continue our series talking about our core practices, these things that make us who we are um, as a a diverse group of people from different backgrounds and different faith traditions and different understandings of scripture. Um, How do we live together and how do we worship together and how do we come together as a community? Well, our core practices are the thing that let us do that. Um, and so we're, we're taking a look at those over the course of a few weeks. We're going to come back to them after Easter and do a deeper dive into them um, and explore them a little more thoroughly after Easter. But, but right now, we're just kind of getting started scratching the surface. And so we talked last week about life together, that we're committed to that, that we're committed to being a community and, and living life together. Today, we move on uh, to the second of our core practices, which is patient rhythms, that we are committed to living in and practicing patient rhythms. Well, what does patient rhythms mean? Again, this is our definition on the UCC website. It says that when we set out to do God's work, it is tempting to establish grand goals and expect easy success. But choosing the slower, more relational, abiding way of Jesus is humbling and reminds us that God is the one doing the shaping and growing. So when we say we're practicing patient rhythms, um, what we're really saying is that we are slowing down and getting out of the way. And we're letting God take center stage in our life, in our community life, in the life of the church, because, well, honestly, he already does have center stage. We just kind of convince ourselves and fool ourselves that, like, it's all about us. And so patient rhythms remind us that that's not the case. Um, we were talking earlier this week, uh, Kara and Meg and Shannon and I, talking earlier this week about patient rhythms, and we started using the phrase holy boredom, um, that, that we're so fast-paced. There's so much stuff that, that just clamors for our attention, and we just give our attention to all sorts of things, and we need, I think, to practice some boredom, to intentionally take ourselves out of the hustle and the bustle Um, and all of the things that that we give our attention and our time and our our energy to in order just to stop and say this stuff um, well it might be good well it might be important it's not the best thing that I could be doing right in this minute right this minute the best thing that I could be doing is being with God Uh, and so how do we do that how do we practice holy boredom Uh, how do we practice patient rhythms but um, well, we believe that, that those patient rhythms are made up of at least three things um, and we'll come back again after Easter and talk about these in more in depth but we believe in setting aside regular times for prayer however that looks um, fasting, meditation, praying with others praying uh, individually that we believe that, that um, those patient rhythms also include walking with other people uh, in spiritual, relational ways for their personal growth according to their pacing uh, sometimes we we really want people to be farther along in their spiritual life than than um, they are ready to be or their spiritual life their walk looks different than ours does and and we have a hard time with that but part of a patient rhythm is allowing people to explore their faith in God at their pace and their way and so we're going to come back and talk about that in a few weeks and also practicing Sabbath and times of rest and and times of um, play and times of just, being uh for the purpose of creating uh creating a delight in the lord Uh, that's what we mean when we talk about patient rhythms time of prayer uh, time with other people according to their needs and times of sabbath and and these are things that that we need so that we can experience god's goodness and we see these patient rhythms the reason that that i think that they're so important is because we can see them embodied in the person of jesus these aren't just things that we kind of pull out of the air and say oh this seems important to me but it's actually something that Jesus does and so that seems meaningful and important to us and um, early on in his public ministry he sets this kind of tempo for himself of this patient holy boredom rhythm that he has and I want to show it to you it's um, it's in Mark chapter one so if you have um, your Bible on your phone or on in paper feel free to open to that or I think it's going to be behind me on the screen as well, or on the wall. Uh, But in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has just gotten started with his public ministry. He's in the town of Capernaum, which is kind of his home base. Um, He's spoken in the synagogue, and then he's gone to the house of Peter, the apostle, um, and has healed his mother-in-law. We don't often think about Peter being married, but he absolutely was. He has a mother-in-law. So this is where we pick up the story. Jesus is at Peter's house. He's just healed Peter's mother-in-law. Here's what happens. It's Mark chapter 1. want to read verses 32 through 39. Uh, this is how Mark goes. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and were possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon, that's Peter, Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Uh, This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Gospels. It's this wonderful picture of Jesus um, both in his divinity and in his humanity. And there is um, this patience, this holy boredom um, that Jesus exhibits in this passage, um, where he is intentionally building a rhythm um, for the purpose of spending time with God. And and that's, that's what we're really talking about when we're talking about patient rhythms. Patient rhythms allow us to spend time with God on a regular and consistent basis. They allow us closeness with God. They allow us depth with God. They allow us time to meet with him, to express ourselves to God, to allow God to express himself himself to us through the spirit um, Jesus, Jesus enters into this rhythm of time with God and if he does, if he feels that that's necessary for him, how much more so for me uh, I, I know me I no Jesus uh, but if Jesus feels that's important for him then, then, then I imagine that's even more important for me and the gospels show this happening where Jesus goes off in our, our text it says that, that he went to Um, a desolate place. And depending on the translation, it's desolate place, deserted place, lonely place, desert place, or mountainous place. Um, The the word gets translated in all of those ways. Uh, But essentially, he goes off alone. He, he, He wanders off and hides from the world and gets away from distractions so that he can spend time with God. And the Gospels tell us that he does this about uh, two dozen times or so throughout the, the four Gospels. That's, that's not counting duplicate stories. That's, that's, as far as we can tell, um, Jesus gets away to pray um, about two dozen times. He does it on a number of different occasions. Sometimes he's in distress. Um, before he knows that the crucifixion is coming, he goes away and he prays. Uh, he does it before selecting the 12 apostles. He spends, spends a night in prayer before he calls those, t- those 12 guys to be, to be his guys. He does it, um, he does it the transfiguration, the, the, the transfiguration where Jesus is glorified and Peter and John and James see Jesus for who he really is. That happens in a time of prayer with God. He is drawn so close to God in prayer that, that, that who he really is is coming out um, in that moment. And, and Jesus uses these, um, these times. Often they, they happen, actually the, it happens most often after he's been around a crowd of people. Which I totally get as an introvert. Like, oh, time with people? Yeah, okay, great. And after that, go hide. I, I need that time to go hide after people. Uh, it's not that I don't love you. I, I just don't love you right in this minute. I need to go hide from you. And I'll come back and love you later, okay? Uh, and this, this seems to be what Jesus does. Like he spends time with people and he's healing people and he's preaching to people and he's, he's, he's surrounded by hundreds or thousands of people at, at various times. And then like the next thing he does is like, I gotta, I gotta get away. I have to go spend time in a lonely place where it's just me and God or just him and his disciples and God. He does this all the time. Does it before the, the scene where he's walking on water? He's, he's left and he's gone away to a lonely place. His disciples can't find him, and then he's out walking on the water. He does it all the time, where Jesus goes away. It's this rhythm that he has, where he intentionally um, engages in nothing but God. He removes these distractions from himself. It's a time to renew. It's a time to recharge. It's a time to connect with the Father and to prepare for the thing I think that's coming. Because, because honestly, we only have so much to give, right? And even Jesus, though he's, you know, he is divine, he's also human. He only has so much to give before he needs to recharge. Um, And that's what he's doing. And Peter actually comes out looking for him. Simon and his companions come out looking for Jesus because they think there's important work to be done, right? They're hunting for Jesus and they find him and they say, don't you know that everyone is looking for you? Jesus, there's important stuff going on. And, and as it turns out, Jesus is actually doing probably the more important thing, right? Spending time with God. Disconnecting from, from all of those people that want just a moment of his time. That, that you know, There's nothing wrong with, with those people wanting a moment of his time. Jesus loves them. But he needs that time with the Father to prepare for that. Jesus is doing the important thing. He's engaging in that holy boredom, that patient rhythm, that, that building relationship with the Father. And, and he makes that choice. Jesus could have chosen something else. He could have chosen to, to get up in the morning and re engage with the crowds. Instead, he chooses to get up and go to the lonely place, the desolate place, the, the bored place. And patient rhythms are developed that way, they're developed by choice, they don't, they don't happen accidentally. These patient rhythms of time with God do not happen by accident. These patient rhythms of walking with each other and practicing Sabbath, they don't, they don't happen by chance. Other rhythms do. We get into other rhythms by accident. I, I, I get into the rhythm of doom-scrolling Twitter without even realizing that I'm doing it. I get into the, the rhythm of just walking into the room and turning on the TV without even realizing that I've done it. I get into the rhythm of, of waking up in the morning and, and, and pouring myself a bowl of cereal and getting a shower and going through my morning routine without remembering to pray or to read the scripture. It just there, are other habits formed by accident, but godly habits don't. Godly habits require choice. This, this holy boredom requires choice. This patient rhythm requires choice. And we see it in our text. The, there are some details in our story that we tend to skip. Um, and, and this happens all the time when we read the Bible. It happens to me all the time. I just there, there are words there that like, I just I rush by them. And there are a couple in this story that are super important. And we don't really realize it most of the time. And so um, let me introduce them to you. The first of them uh, tells us when Jesus began healing. It's in the first paragraph of our story. Jesus began healing at Peter's house when? After sundown, right? Jesus begins healing after sundown, so at the nighttime, right? All of of Jesus' healing, his healing of all of the people of Capernaum and driving out demons in Capernaum happens in the nighttime hours, okay? This is not a big daylight you know, um, revival, this is, this is happening late at night and probably late into the night, would be my guess. And, and then when Jesus goes out to pray, we're also given a time of day. When does he go out to pray? Very early in the morning while well, it is still very dark. It's not, even like, it's not even like dawn is kind of on the horizon and it's starting to lighten up. It's still, Mark is like, it's still pitch black outside. It's very dark when he gets up to pray. I don't know how many hours of sleep Jesus got that night. I don't think it was very many. My guess is that he is probably, as a human being, tired. He's done all this work, all of this divine energy has gone out from him to, to heal people and to cast out demons. He's gotten a few hours of sleep. And then he gets up in the morning and goes out to pray. And he doesn't do that, by the way, because he's God. He does that because he's a man. He does it because he's a human being. It's not a divine choice to wake up while it's still dark and go pray. It's a very human choice to do that. Um, It's Jesus in his humanity saying, I need this because I am human I need this time with the Father because I am wiped out and I know that there's more work to do I'm not going to be ready for it if I don't engage in this rhythm of time with God Jesus makes this choice and it's a choice that people wrestle with throughout the New Testament I mean you think of there are other people that wrestle with the same choice Mary and Martha come to mind, right? Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and he's teaching and, and there's a choice that's made. Mary makes the choice to come and sit at the feet of Jesus in the midst of his teaching. Martha makes the choice to busy herself in the kitchen with all of the things that she thinks need to be prepared that actually causes a fight and Martha comes to Jesus tell my sister to come help me and Jesus says Mary's actually chosen the better thing Martha. She's chosen this patient rhythm to stop to let go of the of all the things that seem important, all the things that seem urgent, and just to be with God, it happens. Um, it happens in Jesus' call to people. Jesus calls people to come and follow Him. Right? Come, follow Me. Jesus says to a variety of people. Sometimes people take Him up on it, like Matthew, the tax collector. Right? Jesus says, "Come, follow Me." And what does Matthew do? He gets up and he leaves his tax collecting booth. He just leaves it behind he makes a choice says the thing that God has for me is better than the thing I already have same thing with with Peter and Andrew and James and John the fishermen they get up and they leave their nets and they leave their boats and they say the thing that God has for me is better than the thing that that I already have other people don't Jesus calls other people he says to the rich young ruler go and and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then you come follow me. He gives him the exact same invitation he gives to Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, and the rest. This guy could have ended up being an apostle for all I know. But he says, no, I'm going to choose to keep the thing I already have instead of choosing God. That happens with other people too. Jesus says, come follow me. And the guy says, uh, an unnamed guy says, uh, first, let me go bury my father. And scholars have no idea what that really means or or how close to death his father might happen to be and, and all of these things. But essentially, the guy says, no, the thing that I already have is more important than the thing that God is offering. Choice. Choice. We have choices in front of us, day in and day out. Will we choose to build the patient rhythms? Will we choose times of holy boredom? Will we choose times with God? I wrestle with that. I don't know. You may wrestle with that too. Sometimes it's hard to choose God. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's harder. But I wrestle from time to time, with being able to choose God. I and I need to get better at that. I'll just admit that. I need these patient rhythms. I need to make these choices because these patient rhythms allow me to know God. Allow me to know God's will. And allow me to do God's will as well. Here's my favorite part of this story. Uh, Peter comes to Jesus and I love Peter, Peter is me uh, every time I read anything that Peter does or says uh, I find myself going oh yeah I totally would have done that um, like every time he sticks his foot in his mouth I'm like yep, yep, been there if Peter comes to Jesus he's like everybody is looking for you there is a marvelous opportunity Jesus, we can make you famous we can set up shop right here in Capernaum we can build uh, the first church of Jesus right here Uh, on On the shore of the Sea of Galilee, let's do it. There are people here that want your time. And Jesus immediately rejects that idea. He says, no, let's go somewhere else. There are other people who need to hear this message too. And then he says, for that is why I have come. Jesus understands his purpose in life is not to stay in Capernaum with a single group of people uh, building a small but very dedicated following in one town. Jesus understands that he is called to many people. Why does he understand that calling and how is he able to choose it when there's so much excitement and fandom and hoopla over Jesus there in Capernaum? How does he walk away from that? Because I'm not sure I could. Like If I had a whole town that's like, you're awesome, we want to celebrate you, come and stay with us. I'd be like, yeah, okay, all right. That sounds decent, fine. Jesus says, no, I've got to go other places. How is he able to do that? I am convinced that it's because he has built this patient rhythm of engaging with God. Because he spends time with the Father, listening, listening, sharing, praying, resting with God. He's able to to discern and hear the things that God's calling him to do and then choose those things. And I think that that's so important. I don't know if I could do the same thing if I were in Jesus' shoes here because um, often I let the immediate crowd out the important. Anybody else? That the thing right in front of me takes all of my focus. Instead of saying, no, there's something more important than this. I, I, let, I, let the good, I let the good take the place of the best. I let the good thing that I see take the place of the best thing that God has in store for me. I think it's a very human thing to do. I think it's very normal for us to do those things. Jesus is able to say no to that. He's able to see his vocation and he's able to choose it. I've come not just for this town. There are many who I need to share the gospel with. Let's go to them too. How does he do that? Because his relationship with God is built on these patient rhythms. These rhythms help him to know who he is. They help us to know who we are. They help us to know who God is. They help us to know what we're called to. Are we developing them? Are our rhythms moving us closer to God? My guess is that some of them are and some of them are not. Are your rhythms helping you to love others better? My guess is that some are and some are not. And I just, I want to ask, um, this, because we're a small group here today, this might be, I don't know, slightly more comfortable or slightly more uncomfortable, I have no idea. Um, but I just, I want to ask you about, about maybe some of your rhythms. What are the things in your life that that you've decided this is important to me in order to spend time with God. This is something that I do. Um, Let me give you a a few, four examples so that you don't have to come up with something immediately. Give you a second to think about it. But uh, just as a way to encourage each other today, I thought if you're willing, we can do a little bit of sharing. Um, So just for an example, um, I know how my mind works and when I get going in the morning, other stuff just kind of gets in my head. So one of my rhythms is to read scripture before I ever stand up from my bed. Um, because once I'm out of bed, I will be gone on other things. So that, that is one of my patient rhythms. Um, my wife uh, has a, a, a rhythm that I have adopted for the most part, but that she has done for years and years before we got married, and now is part of our, our rhythm as a, a family. Um, that, that she does not, and we do not, do Really, any cooking or household chores on Saturdays. That, none. As, as much as we can make that happen. We don't cook, we don't do household chores on Saturdays. As a way to remember that God has provided everything that we need and we are not what we produce. That's a rhythm that we have chosen. Uh, my friend Jason, who is a minister up in Indiana, he has a really uh, interesting and idiosyncratic rhythm, I think. On, on Fridays about noon, he has an alarm that goes off on his phone, and he goes through his phone and he deletes off of his phone every social media app, email, um, anything that, that is connected like that. He deletes his email, deletes Facebook, deletes Twitter, deletes whatever other social medias he may have. And he doesn't put them back on his phone until Monday morning. So from, from Friday noon until Monday morning, his phone has none of that on it so that he, he can't be consumed by it over the weekend. Uh, Shannon uh, was telling us in staff meeting this week that, that there are actually a couple of apps that she uses to create patient rhythms. Uh, the Pause app is one that she uses, and, and there's another one that's a daily devotional app that she uses that, that help her develop a, a rhythm of I need a time out, I need to pray. Um, we have these cards, they float around the building, these prayer labyrinth cards. There are ways just, you know, you put it in front of you and you trace it with your finger and it becomes a time of meditation and a time of prayer. And I've actually seen these as stickers that like fit on the back of your phone case, um, that just periodically, I, I need a time out. I need some time with God. And so I'm just gonna trace the labyrinth and pray as I go through this slowly. Um, what about you? What, what are some of your rhythms? It could be very silly, could be very serious, Um, uh, but I'm curious if you're willing to share with each other this morning, what's something you do as a way to engage in holy boredom and, and spend some time with God? Yeah, Tyler's collaging, which, if you follow Tyler on Facebook, he posts a lot of those. They're really beautiful. Lady, feeding the birds. Every Feed, morning I let water and bird feet and I go out and create their space and I always listen <laughs> to <laughs> Okay, God, maybe you can take a walk. I'll send water. Yeah, and just participating in that, in that creation, and which is one of the things we were charged with at the beginning, you know, to be caretakers and to help curate this thing that God has given us. It's beautiful. Yeah, just stopping to name things we're grateful for. It's really easy to become ungrateful, uh, isn't it? So just spending the time to say the things we're thankful for and grateful for. a good practice. Yeah, and engaging in that rhythm with your children. For those of us who have children, that we have an opportunity to disciple those rhythms, you know, and model them for our kids. I remember growing up, my dad, no matter what else he was doing, like he was home at bedtime to pray with us. Um, that was that was a big deal in our house growing up. Yeah, there's all of these rhythms and more. Whatever your rhythms are, I encourage you to continue to engage in them. And if you are in need of some new ones, uh, maybe some of the things that we've talked today will spark an idea in you, um, because we we do live like kind of at a breakneck speed in our world, right? Uh, and even honestly, even the drive into church today, like I had to go super slow, and I was like, "This is killing me to go this slow," like because we're used to fast all the time, no matter what. And our world is just so full of distractions and so full of good and important things and urgent things, but maybe not the thing that God has for us as the best thing. And so what if we we presented an alternate way of living in our world? What if we intentionally became a people who were slow and who engaged in these patient rhythms and who said it's okay to be bored because here I find time to engage with God. These patient rhythms are important. And we want to enter into another one um, right now. Uh, We want to enter into our time of communion, which is a patient rhythm. It's a thing that we do again and again and again and again because we believe that it's important, because it's part of our walk together, and because it's time with God. Um, So we're going to um, head into our communion time, and as we do each week, um, we'll gather uh, the, the items for communion and hold them until we've all been served and then take them together. And as we do each week, we'll also enter into a time of confession uh, before the table uh, as part of our patient rhythm of time with God and time with each other. So would you stand with me if you're able and willing? And uh, we will um, confess before God and then we'll come before the table. Most merciful God. Thank the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave it to his disciples told them, this is my body given for you and the same way after supper he took the cup and said this cup represents a new covenant, my blood as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me and as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again I don't know about you, but making intentional space just to be with God or setting aside um, the things that I think are important to make room for God. These are simple ideas that are not always easy. (laughs) At least I don't find them to always be.